Hey, thanks for tuning in to this podcast. We would love to hear how God is using this ministry in your life. We encourage you to send us your story by visiting our new website at wearefreedomlife.com. Welcome to Freedom. I'm so excited to start this brand new series called Judges, Broken Heroes, The Good, The Bad, and The Cycles. The Good, The Bad, and The Cycles. Have you ever, um, have you ever read scripture and, and, and seen different highlights of, 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 of story or a particular character? And you said to yourself, wow, I do a lot of that. Or that looks a lot like me, or man, I, I would probably have done the same thing. I mean, never read something like that before. And then you see them mess up, and you're like, "Wow, that's a lot like me, a lot more than I thought it was." I mean, Scripture is full of people that have made mistakes. Scripture is full of people that have made um, little mistakes, big mistakes, and somewhere in the middle mistakes. But nonetheless, they are mistakes. But one of the things that we look at throughout scripture is that, uh, uh, and I'm really excited about teaching this series here. Um, this is a, very much a teaching series. I want to be able to bring to light some things about a book like Judges because it is pretty epic. One thing about the book of Judges is that it covers about 300 to 350 years of history. All right, so that's a lot of history, right? So it, it works from the death of Joshua to the coronation of Saul as king. And there's a lot that happens between those 300 years. And so what we're looking at, when we look at the Bible, we look at constantly uh, the amount of brokenness that God takes in man and still uses them. So that's how come when we talk about judges, we're talking about a series of broken heroes, but specifically the good, the bad, and the cycles that we all go through. We like to think for some reason that everybody else goes through cycles differently than we do. And we're the only ones that mess up or maybe they're the only ones that mess up depending on where your pride stands. Right? Depending on where you've grown up. But let me get your attention for a moment because I believe this. I believe that this book will uncover some things as we were unable to cover every single character in Judges. I do believe that the book of Judges gives us... Uh, an unbelievable amount of information of how God views us. So let me begin by prefacing this. The book of Judges gives us little to no indication exactly as to who wrote the book. But tradition names the prophet Samuel as the probable author of the book of Judges. He operated as a judge and as you've seen in the video uh, just a moment ago... There was a point where Samuel was a, a judge, but then he began to operate as a prophet at that time. Judges in and of itself, if you've ever read Judges, for those of you that have never read Judges, you are in for an epic sort of thing if you just begin to open it up and read it. Hollywood needs to tap into, and some of them have. Make no mistake, right? We have movies that have come out. And sometimes I cringe when I hear that Hollywood is making a Bible movie. How many cringe when you hear about it? Because you're like, how bad is this going to be? How offline, right? How off of the beaten path of scripture is this going to be? Is this going to be like way down there or way over there? I cringe sometimes when I think about Hollywood making. But, but the reality is that the book of Judges is amazing. It really is. It's, it's pretty bloody. If you're in for action movies, you like cars that blow up, things of that nature, you might want to read the book of Judges. It's biblical. God is in it. You know? It may feed that little bit of, of desire to see stuff blow up. and Maybe it'll get you to be more committed to God. Who knows? But the book of Judges speaks about at least 12 judges of Israel. Judges were often civil leaders. Let me just give you a little bit of a background. Um, judges operated uh, as civil leaders who helped bring the people 
back to God. The book of Judges has been referred to oftentimes as the book of cycles because we see man here, man mess up, and then God fix man again. Rinse and repeat, right? And that sounds like our lives sometimes, doesn't it? You have someone by the name of Samuel that is uh, right in the middle of all this. And he was one of those people that really did try to bring Israel together. But oftentimes what Judges tells us is that every man try to do what is right in their own eyes. Therein lies the problem, right? You know what this is like when you try to do things in your own eyes. You try to do it in your own strength, in your own ability. And, and so Judges is kind of a storyline of that. Judges uh, paints a picture of God's rescue and redemption. Again, repeat over and over. Rescue and redemption. And rescue and redemption. And that's why we're calling this the good, the bad, and the cycles. Disobedience leads to judgment. That's what Judges is teaching us. The book itself is teaching us that, that when judges usually step in, that is to say now the person, when a judge would step in, that usually means that you messed up somewhere. They come in and they go, okay, you done messed up here. Let's get this thing right now. And they would bring a word that would cause people to be stirred. Watch this now. That will cause people to be stirred, rebuked, Draw them to repentance and then come back to God. And this was a vicious cycle that man was going through at the time. The book of Judges also shows how God views society when society turns on God. Judges points, points the finger at society saying, get this right. Not because God wants to be right because he is, but because you need to get right. Many times people look at God, right? And how many, by show of hands, how many of you in this room, there was a time in your life that you thought God, all he wants to do is point out all my wrongs so he can show me how bad I am. Right? I kind of, at least somewhere, if you grew up in a legalistic society, this is more your cup of tea. If you grew up in a legalistic society that when the moment you, you can't wear a certain thing or do a certain thing and, and this, that, and yet all of a sudden you walk around with more guilt than you do freedom. You walk around with more problems than you do solutions. You walk around with more issues in your life than anything you would have made up on your own. Hello? You're like... I'm more messed up now following this God that you're talking about than I was before I met God. There's something wrong with this picture. Right? If you get more messed up by following God, then what am I doing here? But God's picture of redemption is so vastly different than man's idea of redemption. And that's what Judges brings out in this book. Judges flips the script on sin. Instead of sin ruling you, we realize that God should be the one ruling. When social decline takes place, social disaster takes place. And who's the first to blame when something goes wrong? God, why did you let this happen? God, where is God when everything fails? God, why did you? God, why did you? When did you? Did you? All the questions pop up. But can I tell you something? God is not afraid of questions. Can I shock some of you for a moment? Because some of you may have grown up in society where you don't question anything about God. Because it is outright disobedience. Can I tell you, you can question God in reverence and awe. God, I don't know why you did this. I don't know what you're doing right now. But here's what I do know. We need you now. That's a come. It doesn't matter 
what has happened during the week, we can still walk into this room and we can still worship God and we can still praise God because my circumstance does not dictate my praise. It's 12 amens. I'm going to work for 30. I'm going to work for 30. Your circumstance does not dictate how much praise your God should get. If your God is tiny, then maybe. If your God is mighty like the one I read, the one that I know, the one that I follow, no amount of problems should halter or alter my praise. It shouldn't halt or alter my praise. Hello? Can I just remind you that when, 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 when worship begins, can I invite you to be a part of worship? Can I invite you to be a part of what is happening? It breaks my heart. When in halfway through the service, people roll in and stroll in. You missed your opportunity to worship God. Can I encourage you with that? Because that's your opportunity to give to God what is his. No matter what. I understand it's times we get late, we run behind and all that. I get that. But I'm saying, how about when we come to God, we come to God with everything we got. Let's not waste a single moment we have. So let's go back to Judges for a moment because I believe that in our lives we have something to glean from in this book. A lot to glean from. But, but we realize that the book is very important because it shows God's willingness to preserve his people even in their sin. And that's important for us today, right? If you turn on the TV at any point in time, you can see uh, sin is around us pretty good. Right? It's all around us. But if people repented and they prayed and they sought God, what could happen if everyone in this room praised God a little more than they normally do? What would happen in a room like this if everyone was sold out to the Lord Jesus Christ? What would happen in the Susquehanna Valley? What would happen in our region? What would happen in our schools, in our workplaces? Look, look at me. What would happen? We would turn this place upside down. If 12 can do that, if 12 can do that, right? And you say, well, it wasn't the 12, it was the 120 in the upper room. Well, if 120 could do it, why can't we? There's a theme that is that every man sought should do what is right in their own eyes. That is the constant theme throughout the book of Judges. If you look throughout Judges, people decided they wanted to do what they wanted to do. And, and that was important. That was important. Let me do what I want to do. Let me do what I need to do. I need to handle my business. And therein, is the, therein lies the problem. You want to handle your business, not God's. So, when we look at this, we look at that, that no one wanted a divine standard. No one wanted to be led by God. So, you know what? Every single time they, they started calling and they wanted, they want leadership. But when leadership told them what they needed to do, they were like, nah, we'll go our own way. Thank you very much. We're good. Human approach led to social, spiritual, and economic disaster. Friends, when we go our own way and things fall apart, we have no right to blame God. We have no right. And it is happening all across America today. We want to take them out of everything. And then we wonder, if God is real, why is this happening? Well, it's a, it a complicated answer. Because there's been so many ways that we've tried to remove God. And then we wonder, why did it go wrong? How did it go wrong? Let me tell you this, church. Until repentance occurs, deliverance will not occur. Until repentance occurs, deliverance will not occur. The book of Judges shows us what it's like when God intervenes. Because history is in his hands. You see, as God's people, we must live under his authority. When some of us have a problem with that. Can I tell you? The Judges tells us that rebellion has consequences. Rebellious spirits have consequences that God still loves us, but it still has consequences. And those of you that are parents know what I'm talking about, right? You have a child, they do something wrong and it hurts you. 
because they did something wrong. They did something that was opposite of what you taught them and they do something wrong and all of a sudden you're going to yourself, you still have to do this. You still have to pay the price. You still have a penalty, a punishment. While I understand that you get it, you understand what, what you did wrong, you still have a consequence. And the book of Judges shows that same idea. There's an interesting, uh, we'll, we'll, and we'll mention her uh, in a few weeks here, but Judges has one particular woman by the name of Deborah, who's one of those iconic roles in scripture that is led by women. Who thought that it wasn't Wonder Woman that was first? It was, it was Deborah. Right? We look at superheroes and people that did some stuff. Guess what? Before Wonder Woman, there was Deborah. Who lived for God and honored God. And so we look at Deborah being used as well. Which is an interesting element in scripture. If you understand the time. Women were not looked upon like men. So this is a super big deal. It's a big deal this day and age. But it was a super big deal in that age. Right? Deborah being a woman being used by God. Why? Because God uses the most available. And the ones that are most surrendered to him. Not the ones that are most talented. Not the ones that are most gifted. Come on, somebody say, yeah. Some of you are like, that's me, Pastor Tony. You're preaching to me. I'm not, I'm not the most talented. I'm not the most, I don't speak the most eloquently. I don't sing the best, but I am definitely available. And so we look at that as a very important element here. The cycle of disobedience brought about Deborah among other judges because they needed to bring discipline because discipline brings repentance and repentance brings deliverance. Are you following me? Right? So, so it's, it's a cycle that we need to follow and understand that there's a good cycle and a bad cycle. The bad cycle is I mess up, God points the finger, I repent, all is well. I mess up, God points the finger, I repent, all is well. That's not the cycle God wants you to repeat. God wants you to repeat that I submit, I follow, God's will be done. That's the cycle we need to follow. So I'm talking about good, bad, and the cycles of scripture. See, when you get the, when you get the right cycle in your life, your life will be... In the middle of God's will. And that's where you want to find yourself. So the reoccurring statement in Judges 17, 6, 18, 1, 19, 1, 21, verse 25. All of them say this. And they did what is right in their own eyes. So can I encourage you? Don't just do what is right in your eyes. Do what is right in God's eyes. Right? So that's a little bit of a background of why God decided to give this book to us. And so the book of Judges acts as a sequel to the book of Joshua. Again, a little bit of teaching. Comparable to the accounts of Joshua's death. We find different parts of it there. They kind of bleed in together a few things. And events within the book spans uh, many, many hundreds of years. So why is Judges so important? Let me teach for a moment because the time of Judges brought about great apostasy. And for those of you that um, don't understand what the word apostasy means, it means abandonment of religious or political belief. Apostasy means we abandon our, our religious and or political belief. So we kind of just pulled away from it. And Israel constantly was trying to pull away Right? Trying to pull away from what they understood they needed to do. How many have ever been in that boat? You're kind of like, okay, God, I got the idea. Let me, let me kind of do this on my own now. And they're kind of pulling away so they can do their own thing and follow their... And they're constantly trying to pull away. And, and, if, and if, if you're in that boat today, can I encourage you? Don't pull away. Draw closer. Draw closer to the Lord your God. Because we look at the cycles here, and I don't want to be caught in that ugly cycle. That's an ugly cycle. To just continuously um, do wrong things, God rebukes us, then we get right, and then we're like, man, that hurt. I shouldn't have done that. And then we do it again. And it's an ugly cycle. So, 
in this book, one of the things that we'll look at in the next few weeks, and we're going to start here this morning, is we're going to look at different broken individuals that God used. Some of them were more broken than others. You realize that everyone God uses are, the people that God uses are all imperfect. Right? We don't believe that all the time. We tend to think that God only uses those that, that are right and doing good and going to church and they give their tithe and they, they serve and they, only God uses them. But God is like, listen, I'm in the business of using anyone who's available and willing and open and ready to be used. So the people in the book of Judges, we constantly see an, uh, an apostasy that takes place. They just underwent some uh, a pulling away from God and then because of they because of their desire to pull away from God they they tried to possess land that wasn't theirs or or they'd done some things and all this turmoil comes upon them and they're like ah this is too much to handle and the tribes fought amongst themselves nearly wiping each other out Manasseh and Benjamin Both of those tribes, the pattern of behavior throughout Judges is clear. That the people rebelled through idolatry and disbelief. And when God brought judgment, they finally were aligned again. Again, the book includes the most graphic and violent, disturbing scenes of all of scripture. But isn't that the world we live in? Isn't that the world we live in? So the primary message we look at. Uh, as we look in Judges, is that he disciplined them for, for following other gods and disobeying his, his laws. But he engages them intentionally. Did you know that God goes after you intentionally? Did you know that God deliberately loves you? Like he didn't fall in love with you. Some people like to use, a, I use the word fall in love. See, as man, we fall in love. Like, you kind of meet somebody you didn't know. You're like, oh, I fell in love. Like, I didn't expect that. Did you know that God never fell in love with you? He loved you from the beginning. You know, there was no fall involved. The only fall that was involved was us falling at the garden, right? We were the first fall. God never fell in love with you. He knew you from the beginning. Isn't that interesting? Some of us use the word fall in love because it accidentally happened. God never accidentally loved you. He loved you before you, before you were even in the womb. He loved you. That's love. Somebody say that's love. See, unfortunately, we are uh, connected to the word fallen. We fall in love, right? We fell out of relationship. Or we fell in this and we fell in that because man has fallen and we are good at it. We're good at it. Don't raise your hand. Don't, don't, don't testify. See, we have an inability to accept God's godliness. We have an inability to accept God's godliness in our lives. Why? Because we want a king when God says I'm enough. And that's what we look at in the book of Judges. The people wanted a king. They wanted a physical king they could see. And if they can't see him, they don't have him. If they can't see him, they don't have him. Give us a king. Give us a king. Give us a king. And we'll talk about that later. But we realize this. That man gets what he wants. Enter Gideon. Gideon is my topic of discussion here for a few this morning. Gideon was a farmer. He's out farming. Doing what farmers do. And the Lord appeared to him. And informed him that he was going to be the one. To deliver Israel from the Midianites. Watch this. After a convincing situation, after much convincing, God saw fit to use him. And so it was one thing after another that finally he says, okay, God, I realize you're into using me. You want to use me. Okay, fine. No problem. 
So this is one of the most interesting parts of scripture. Turn with me to to Judges chapter 6. Judges chapter 6. There's a sequence of events that happens here in Judges chapter 6. And we're going to begin at verse 24. Judges 6 verse 24. When you got it, say, I got it. Okay, good. If you don't got it, just get there. Okay, so Judges, chapter 6. And this is where the story gets really interesting with Gideon. There's so many different elements that I wish I can get into. And maybe, maybe as we progress here in the coming weeks, we can address some of these things. Because there's no way that I can teach everything that's in Judges here this morning, obviously. But... This is where the story takes place, and and this is what happens. Because um, in Judges chapter 6, we read that, beginning in verse 24, not technically verse 25, verse 24. The Lord said to him in verse 23, don't be afraid, you're not going to die. That's good news, right? Everybody agree with that? I'm going to go ahead and start saying that's good news. God said to you, listen, I'm not going to kill you. Round of applause if that's good news. Yes? Okay. I just want to get everybody up. Yay! God's not going to kill me. It's a good place to start. All right? Okay. Now we got that out of the way. God's not going to kill me. That's good. Now, I felt that was important to share. Verse 24. Once Gideon found out that God was not going to kill him, Verse 24 happens. So Gideon built an altar. Good. I'm going to build an altar since you're not going to take my life. I'm going to build an altar to the Lord. And he called it the Lord is peace. And to this day it stands in Oprah. Not the person, the place. Of the Abizarites. The same night the Lord said to him, follow this. Take the second bull from your father's herd. This is this gets good. Watch this. Take the second bull from your father's herd. The one Seven-year-old, tear down your father's altar to Baal and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. Then build a proper kind of altar to the Lord your God on the top of this height. Using the wood of the Asherah pole that you cut down, offer the second bowl as an offering. Are you guys seeing this taking place? kids don't tear anything down of your parents unless God told you. And even if he did, check with them. Just going to throw that out there. Blanket statement. Just going to throw that out there. Okay. Pastor Tony said, no, Pastor Tony did not. The Bible said. Verse 27. Stay with me. Don't, Don't make me go on a rabbit trail. I will go with you. So he used the wood of the Asherah pole to cut down. Verse 27. So Gideon took 10 of his servants and did as the Lord told him. But because he was afraid of his family and the men of the town, he did it at night rather than in the daytime. <laughs> I can see it's kind of smart. But moving along. In the morning. Everybody say in the morning. In the morning. When the men of the town got up, there was some problems. That's my version. When they got up, there was Baal's altar demolished. And the Asherah pole beside it cut down. And the second bull sacrificed in the newly built altar. Ta-da! Look what I built while you were sleeping. While you were sleeping, I built this. You like it? You like it? No? Okay. Blame Jesus. Back to the text. And they asked each other who did this. I think I would like to subtitle this message. Who did this? Who did this? When they carefully investigated, they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. Mind you, they investigated. He didn't give up the information willingly. Did you get that? He wasn't like, yeah, it was me. (laughs) 
it was me. What? He didn't give it up willy-nilly, right? He wasn't trying to tell everybody. He was like... Let's see if I can get past the situation. They investigate A full investigation went up. They investigated it. And they were told Gideon, son of Joash, did it. The men of the town demanded Joash, bring out your son. He must die because he has broken down Baal's altar and cut down the Asherah pole beside it. You got to understand that Asherah pole was dedicated to these false gods, Canaanite gods. And these different idols were made for their God. It was a big deal. It would be the equivalent, if you would, just just to kind of get an, an imagination. If you were to go to a church and they had a what would be a signature cross on that church, a Christian church, right? You would go up there and you would rip it and, or you would take a big rope and you would tear the thing down or you would smash it. If you did that, that would be a close equivalent to what has happened here. They took down what was committed to their idols. So this is a big deal, Right? I make light of it a little bit, but but it's not really not a light situation. This is a this is a big situation that took place here. So watch. And so Joash replied to the hostile crowd. I love this. Are you going to plead Baal's cause? Are you trying to save him? Whoever fights for him shall be put to death by morning. If Baal is really God, he can defend himself when someone breaks down his altar. Isn't that good? It goes on to say a few more things, but, but you got to understand something. He comes to his rescue and he's like, you know what? If Baal is really God, let him defend himself. And all of a sudden the people are like, huh. All right. You're right. You got that one. Can I tell you something? The situation that Gideon was in was not a good situation. Go and tear down these idols that are found openly and respected by everyone. That's not a popular view. But sometimes you got to do unpopular things to be obedient to God. Come on, don't think just because it's trendy, it's godly. Just because it's popular, it's right. No, it's not. There's a lot of things that are happening in our society that's popular, that's okay in people's eyes. It's okay in the world's eyes, but not okay with God. You read between the lines. There's a lot of things in this world that are okay with the world and definitely not okay with God. But our job is to be very clear that his love extends to all. And judges continuously points toward people that are imperfect And this hostile crowd came at him. And Joash defended. What a turn of events, right? Here's here's a few things I learned about this story that really blew my mind. Are you ready? Number one, if you're taking notes, write this down. Follow God's lead. Follow God's lead. You notice something that the Lord said, I will be with you and you will strike down all the Midianites, leaving none alive. God is in this. When God calls a judge to step in, guess what? He's in the middle of all of that. And there are people in your life right now that can speak into your life. Don't run from them. Look at me, everyone in this room, look at me. There are people in your life that can speak into you. Don't run from them. Don't forsake the opportunity to gather with people that can build you up. Don't forsake the opportunity to connect and do everything possible to connect with people. And one of the biggest things I find that is important in this is that God is the one that's orchestrating what looks like division. Right? Here's a community, Every, most people are following this false God. And God tells Gideon, do something to bring about some division. Why? Because God's people are in God's business. And there's no business that we should be in that involves the world like that. 
There's a distinction between you as a believer and the world. That doesn't mean that God loves you more. That doesn't mean that God loves them less. It just means that we have, we have connected with the God that has rescued us from the beginning. The role of redemption in our lives is very important. If we don't offer that role to somebody else, if we don't offer that opportunity for redemption to other people, we're missing the Great Commission. We're missing the love people as God has called us to love ourselves. Israel's problem was that everyone did what is right in their own eyes. And just because God's plan isn't understandable doesn't mean that it's not the right one. God's plan sometimes, I don't understand it. I go through certain times and periods in my life where I'm going, God, why is this taking place? And I don't understand it, but I'm okay with that. Just help me to have the peace to get through it. You get that? See, it was God who called, equipped, and led his people. And he used Gideon. Gideon was, he even said it when God, when God, when the angel came to him, He's like, I'm the least of my tribe. Why are you picking me? Because God is in the business of, of judging with his people, right? Using the word to change lives. And, and let me tell you something. Gideon, if there's anyone in the Bible that we can relate with, is Gideon. This story after story that Gideon and the following story that followed this. It's a great miracle that took place. But that great miracle only took place because he did the first one. That's what I'm talking about when I talk about godly cycles in your life. There are some miracles that you want, that you're praying for right now, that can't happen unless the first one happens. That first step of obedience. That first element that God has said, do this. Okay, great. Now do this. Okay, great. Do this. And then all of a sudden you find yourself in a situation that you're fulfilling the very thing that you asked God to do in your life. You're in it. You're like, how did I get here? I'll tell you how you got there. Cycles of things you went through first. You following what I'm saying? You may be praying for one thing and then this is the answer you get and you're like, I don't get it. How do I get, how do I get that from this? God is like, just trust the process. Trust the process. And there's small steps of obedience that lead you to the larger miracle. Which brings me to my second point. Choose obedience. Gideon looked at his situation and he's like, I, I know I need to do this. And I know there's a bigger cause. And God said, he's not going to kill me. So I'm on, he's on my side, I'm on his. That's good. Right? This act that he did led to the greater miracle. You can question and still be obedient. You can question God and still be obedient. You see, just because you have questions doesn't mean you're disobedient. But here's the catch. You have to realize that God doesn't have to answer you right now. And I'm going to go even further. I'm going to go even further. Get the understanding that God doesn't have to answer you at all. That's when it gets into the sovereign element. That's when it gets into the God is God all by himself. He doesn't need anybody else. And that's when man gets uncomfortable because we're like, what, are, what is, what do I fit in this equation? When is he going to tell me? Guess what? Newsflash. This just in. He doesn't have to tell you. Right? He doesn't have to tell you. Does he? Yes. From time to time he does. But he doesn't have to. The verse after Gideon is introduced to us, an angel appears to him and tells him, mighty hero, the Lord is with you. How many know that Gideon didn't feel like a mighty hero? Guess what? God calls you as you can be, not as you are. God, okay, somebody got that. Somebody got it. It's settling in. Some of you don't realize that God called you something that you didn't realize you were yet. Because you're not yet in your own eyes. But he said, mighty, what? Warrior. Warrior. I'm not a warrior. I'm a farmer. You got your words all mixed up there. 
I'm a farmer, not a warrior. Somebody, you got, something was disconnected there. And God says, no, I didn't make a mistake. I know exactly who I was calling. The Lord sees you differently. And guess what? Your obedience honors that. Your obedience to God honors the, what he has called you to become. Gideon doubted that God could use him for these big plans. Just like many of you walk into this room today, you doubt that God could even use you. Some of you walk in here very discouraged from the week. Can I encourage you with something? That, uh, that when we start looking toward God and we turn our head to heaven and our eyes to heaven, I don't get it, God. God looks at you and says, mighty warrior, the Lord is with you. You don't feel that way. Maybe because you're not that way just yet, but it's in you. He's just calling out the things that are already in you. He's calling it out. How many realize that God has to call some things out? He's already placed it in you. He's just awakening what is in you already. Yeah? Do you realize how important it is that you, you allow God to awaken the gift that is within you? The mighty warrior that is within you? Because that gift right there is about to unleash what God wants to do in this area. That wants, God wants to unleash through his anointing on your gifts and your abilities. Oh, the lack thereof. I get it. I get it. You want to call it lack. You want to call it luck. But God calls it love. It's my love poured upon you. That brings out everything you don't see in yourself. So the first thought is this. Follow God's lead. Second thought is choose obedience. The third thing here as we look at Gideon, do the difficult. Do the difficult. It was super difficult, yes? To tear down this idol, to tear down this, uh, this sacrifice made out to uh, the Asherah pole or whatnot. And, and to bring, not just that, listen, not just tear down the pole, but use that to build your own altar. Insult to injury, right? Not just tear it down, like that doesn't belong here. That God is not God. Take that and then use it to burn up an offering to your God. That's like a, a backward slap. Like, not just did you slap him, you then turned around and went the other way. And they were very upset, obviously, showing up at Joash's. Uh, and they were like, bring him out. Bring him out. He deserves the penalty. And the fact that the town people were so different than him, it, it made it all the more difficult to stand for it. But guess what? We're living in an age, Christian friend, listen to me now. We're living in an age where we got to stand for something or we will fall for anything. We got to be very clear what we believe. We got to have a standard. But guess what? There's some people that go about this way wrong. Can, I, can we agree to that? There's some people that have deep convictions. And then there are people that have deep convictions that have no regard for anyone. You got to be able to create balance there. And love people in your deep... You can have deep convictions and still love people. I could disagree with your, your view on marriage. I could disagree with your view on music. I could disagree with your view on all kinds of things. We could disagree, but that doesn't mean I have to... Show disrespect you doesn't mean I have to hate you. We can agree to disagree. One day, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus Christ is Lord, and everyone will know the truth. That should not make you want to be right, that should make you want to love. That one day, every knee will bow, and very much that could be the last time they bow because they could then be cast into the lake of fire. Are you hearing me? It, our desire to be right shouldn't be driven by the fact of being right, just by merely being right. But because, because I know that I'm right, there's a very real heaven and a very real hell. And my desire to be right is not driven by the fact that, hey, if you want to go to hell, go to hell. But I'm not going to go there. That's not how it's driven. That's not how the cross was driven. The cross was driven in love. And let me tell you why I believe what I believe. Because I want to love you in what I believe. 
not leave you behind. I know this is tough, but that's exactly what judges. Judges dealt with people in the middle of their sin. And these judges came across sometimes hard. Sometimes that hard word is what we need to get right with God. And make no mistake, any time a word comes from this pulpit that steps on toes, my goal is not to step on toes. My goal is to make sure your toes don't land in the wrong eternity. My concern is for your soul. And that's the ultimate goal. To do the difficult got to do the difficult and you know what he did he tore down and he did what god said and because of that that led to the next miracle which led to the next miracle which led to the next miracle over and over again we see god's faithfulness and all of that do the difficult my wife and i were on the road for seven years traveling and there was a point where we ourselves the bookings that would come came on their own we didn't have to look for them anymore we got we got to a comfortable place. And then God spoke to us about starting Freedom Life Church. And I was like, God, but I just finally got my feet settled in this thing. And you know what he told me? And these words always sunk in. My wife has heard this a thousand times. And this is my heart. Are you willing to do the difficult to see the impact? Start something from scratch Again? Isn't once enough? You have too faith, too much faith in me, God. I felt like I got lucky on some of those the first time. I'm not sure I'll get lucky the second time. But some of you are blessed and encouraged today because of this fellowship. That doesn't mean it just came like that. There's a lot of difficulty that led to this road. And to see a sea of people lo- loving, worshiping, and loving God helps me say thank God that I was obedient in that little step to do what he said do the difficult in the same way I'm so glad Gideon went and tore down those poles and created the offering to God why because it's the little steps that lead to the bigger ones so let me share this final thought with you for a moment as the worship team comes let me share this thought with you Hebrews chapter 12. If you have your Bibles, I don't have it up on the screen. I only have the reference. Hebrews chapter 12. Turn there with me real quick. Hebrews chapter 12. Hebrews tells us this. And I want to read this in its entirety. And I make no apologies for reading God's word here. It's a little bit lengthy, but I think God's word is worth it. So here it is. Are you ready? Hebrews chapter 12, beginning in verse 5. Because we often don't think that God is into discipline, but he is. And there's a reason why he is. The book of Judges talks about a series of disciplines. Time that God disciplines over and over again because of the vicious cycle they put themselves in. Hebrews tells us this. Have you completely forgotten... His word of encouragement that addresses you as father addresses his son. It says this, my son, do not make light of the Lord's discipline and do not lose heart when he rebukes you because the Lord's discipline, the one he loves and he chastens everyone he accepts as his son. Endure hardship as discipline. God is treating you as his children. For what children are not disciplined by their father? If you're not disciplined and everyone undergoes discipline, then then you are not legitimate, not true sons or daughters at all. Moreover, we all had human fathers who disciplined us and we respected them for it. How much more should we submit to the father of spirits and live? They disciplined us for a while, while as 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 they thought best, But God disciplines us for our good in order that we may share in his holiness. Again, it's that thought that somehow God is disciplining you because he wants to prove something to you. Guess what? He doesn't. He just wants to move you closer to him. And so today, 
as we look at Gideon and his very brave, albeit human moments, a very brave act that he had to do, tearing down those things around him that don't honor God. There are things in your life today that you may want to tear down. Maybe it's pride. Maybe it's envy. Maybe it's a sin. Just simply this. It's a sin. Something that's going on in your life. A frame of mind. You think, well, Pastor Tony, I've been a Christian a long time. I really kind of figured this thing out. Did you? If you've arrived, please see me after service. Because nobody's arrived that I know of. And I'm still trying to figure out the good, the bad, and the cycles that I'm on. Because I, I myself find those moments where I do good, those moments I do bad, and the cycles that are involved in all those. Can I encourage you with something before we pray? God is in the business of bringing us closer to Him through all of this. And judges paints that picture the human element is so real hero after hero is broken after broken but it's not the brokenness that tears us away from God it's the brokenness that should draw us closer so let's pray together all together here today Father God thank you that you call us to yourself Thank you that you want us to return to you, to trust you, to remember you, to obey you. We believe that beyond the shadow of a doubt, God, that you've allowed us the opportunity to serve you. In our lives today, may we do that. In Jesus' name. Lord, I pray against the cycles of sin. Against the cycles of addiction. Against the cycles that draw us away from you, God. I pray against those things in Jesus' name. And I call out those things in the lives of everyone listening right here, right now. God, I'm asking you today. That if there's anyone at the sound of my voice. That has fallen prey to an idol. A stronghold. A sin cycle. God would you reveal it to them. Number one. Reveal it. And remove it. As they repent to you right now. In Jesus name. Reveal it. And remove it. Right now. God we believe. There's nothing more important than knowing you. Nothing at all. Knowing you is so important. I pray today, allow us the opportunity to draw close. In Christ's name we pray.